Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Definitely not a Republican wave, that's for darn sure. Uh, this race is over. You know. This race is still too close to call. We may not know all the winners of elections for a few days. The first woman ever elected to be the governor of the state of New York. We will be in the majority and Nancy Pelosi will be in the minority. This was not the red tsunami. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Not ready to call it a post-mortem, but uh, <laughs> not exactly the celebration uh, we were expecting. I'll give credit to my partner. He was uh, more, I don't want to say pessimistic, but uh, maybe more realistic. Maybe I was too enthusiastic. I, you know, and I, I shouldn't believe polls. But here's the thing that, and I have preached this for the last 20 years, and I've preached it ever since uh, we, we started this radio program, you don't win elections by tearing the other people down. And I think a lot of the leadership in the Republican Party, here's, here's the point. It's not so much you don't tear the other people down, but you have to cast a vision of what you want to be. Mm-hmm. And the Republicans did a sloppy job of that. And I, be honest with you, I'll admit that I had even forgotten my own rule in that regard, because of how terrible the Democrats are. I mean, you looked at everything they're doing, and it's, it's, it's terrible. But if you don't cast a vision, and I'm not just saying when the people ask, well, what is your vision, then you spout it off. You have to preach it. You have to set a vision for the people that they can comprehend what you're talking about. And nobody did it better in my lifetime than Ronald Reagan. And, you know, some people said it was cheesy, it was corny, you know, that, that we could be the city on the hill. But yet he he talked about it constantly and he set that vision of what we can be, what we could be. And the Republicans didn't do that. And as a result, they got uh, they got <laughs> gut punched. And maybe sometime I overuse sports analogies, but you know, it's kind of like the coach that's got, you know, such a athletic football team that he just thinks he can go out and roll his ball out there yeah. and they're going to win the game yeah. with no game plan. Yeah. And to your point... Um, th- there was a lot of yeah. You know, uh, a prime example, Arizona with Mark Kelly and Blake Masters. Um, and n- nothing against Black Blake Masters, first time candidate. Um, I think private equity guy or investment guy or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, right. But uh, I mean, you had Mark Kelly that actually ran on that. Hey, I'm Mister Conservative Democrat, which he's not. He voted for Joe Biden all right. the time. Every time, every time I saw him speak. He had on his Navy jacket with his flight patches. Oh, yeah. I mean, that I'm, whole, I'm conservative. whole whole Veterans Pro-military, Day thing. exactly. But Blake Masters, I never heard just a real tight message from him. And I, hopefully, maybe they can win that one. But Well, Carrie Lake seems to think they will. I mean, I heard her on Hannity on the way in, and she is still saying that there's hundreds of thousands of votes out there that haven't been counted yet. And uh, she feels like 80% of them are going to go her way and maybe – 70, 80 percent will go to Blake Masters. Uh, Ron Johnson, they declared him a winner. So right now I'm looking at the uh, Washington Examiner. They've got the, the current count. And now um, uh, 539 has got a, a little bit different numbers. But I, I, I'm going to go with the Washington Examiner. They're the ones I've been following all day, and I think they correspond with Fox News as well. But they've got in the Senate right now 49 Republicans now that uh, they've declared uh, Ron Johnson as the winner up in Wisconsin, 48 Democrats. 
Over in the House, they have it at 206 Republicans and 182 Democrats. Of course, there's a total of 435. On the Senate side, uh, they also announced earlier this afternoon that uh, there'll be a runoff uh, on December the 6th for um, the Georgia Senate race. And what's interesting about that is, you know, there's two schools of thoughts. On one hand, did uh, Kemp pull Herschel Walker along and did he get as many votes as he did because of Kemp's big win over Stacey Abrams? The other side of that coin is, okay, well, maybe Herschel Walker is going to be in better shape because the libertarian Oliver Chase is now out of the race. And he actually got about 80,000 votes uh, as, as the libertarian candidate. And last I looked, I think Herschel Walker was down by about 35,000 votes, I believe. Yeah, I've got a theory on that. Probably will not um, <laughs> will not enthuse the most uh, the most ardent Trump supporters. But I honestly believe that uh, Herschel Walker's being tied to Trump in that state. I, I do not think Herschel Walker's close association with Donald Trump uh, got him too many votes. I honestly think if Herschel Walker ran head to head on the message that he ran on, just with him. I don't think he loses that race against Warnock. I just, I, I just don't. Well, you're, you're going to see a lot of money. I mean, this will probably set all kinds of records for the most money for a, a runoff, maybe the most money ever in a Senate contest. Uh, over in Nevada, Adam Laxalt is uh, up over incumbent Kathy, uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, uh, 49.9% to 47%. I think that's still about 20% of that. Uh, the, those votes have not been counted and again, in Arizona, Mark Kelly is up over uh, Blake Masters by about 90,000 votes with 800,000 votes outstanding. And again, uh, Carrie Lake seems to think that uh, many of those votes are going to go her way. Uh, up in Alaska, Kelly Shabaka is beating Lisa Mikowski. Now, I think there's only about uh, 60% of that vote in, but she's up by about two percentage points uh, over uh, Murkowski. That would be like getting an extra vote. Uh, I mean, listen, I know she's a Republican, but hardly. So, uh, you know, even if it's 50-50 and we can get rid of Murkowski and replace her with Shabaka, uh, we will have a stronger Republican Senate if that is the case. But get ready for some bizarre lies about Herschel Walker. I mean, up up to now, this has been a, you know, a, a pancake Boy Scout breakfast and everything is fine and copacetic. Uh, now, now they're really going to talk about you know how he is Satan incarnate, you know that he he uh, molested his own grandmother. And I mean, he, he, you cannot imagine the things that they're going to come out with on Ernest Herschel Walker. And and you know, the folks that are in the business of of doing ads and making money off ads after last night or after the day, they just ordered a new car because <laughs> they, they will make a boatload on these negative ads and yeah. produce them and that type of thing uh-huh. but you know something else and and we'll have time and the experts will have time to really over analyze you know the, the numbers and i've kind of looked over the numbers but one thing i won't just being pessimistic about uh, a red wave you know a, these these polls are a lot of a lot of predictions and of what a midterm turnout will look like um you can't assume the 2020 turnout you can't assume a 2016 turnout in a presidential election and i think they missed a boat because so far i've noticed some states north carolina included so far the early voting was strong but the overall turnout was behind 2018 midterm 
in North Carolina. But it was a, it, but but it was well ahead of 2014. But you're yeah, right; it was yeah. slightly so, yes, yes. You're so correct. so some of that is a lot of well, well, we're going to kind of project based on uh, you know maybe they do regression analysis. I hate to get too technical here, but you know maybe they do. But you just don't know. Each election kind of stands on its own. Uh, and not to mention, to your point, um, you know, I think some candidates. I'm gonna have to give Ted Ted Bud credit uh, yeah. for, for you know, he won his race. He you know, stretched out, uh, didn't win quite by six points like I think some of the late polls. But like I, th- I think he came right in in the average. Like four, four yeah. and a half, something Which like that. Which was what the averages we're talking about. But I, he- I heard Ted Budd speak many times in person uh, and, and also on television. Uh, Ted Budd stayed on message. I will give Ted Budd that. He stayed on a message and wasn't just you know poking sticks at the Democrats, but he stayed on message of the hot points that were important in the election. And I think he did a good job. I had to give him credit. You know. Well, here's the thing. Uh, okay, we did not have a red wave nationally, but we had a significant red wave here in the state of North Carolina. Oh, absolutely. This, this was a great night for North Carolina politics. So, and and you know, there's there's another story to that that uh, we're gonna have to take a break here, and we're gonna be have uh, uh, Senator Jim Perry join us and get his perspective on the these state races. But you know, it is. It is interesting to note that the governors that are conservative, that have done a great job in their states, and of course, DeSantis led the pack, but governors that have really done a good job, they won their reelection with by a huge margin. In fact, there's there is a um, in 2021, the American Legislative Exchange Council. They had what was called the Laffler Alec Report on Economic Freedom. They went in and they took a look at all these uh, governors across the United States, and they had a list of 10 five-star governors. And it was based upon economics, education, a number of different factors they put into it, primarily economics, though, and how they ran their state. Of those 10 governors that made the list, uh, nine of the 10 were Republicans. One, the only one that was a margin, Christy Nome, Spencer Cox of Utah was not running. He was already in there from 2020. Uh, Ron DeSantis won his reelection. Jared Paulus won. Brad Little in Idaho won yesterday. Bill Lee in Tennessee won. Krista Nunu in New Hampshire won. Uh, Doug Ducey in Arizona, of course, that's the Cary Lake one. He was term limited out. Brian Kemp won and Greg Abbott won. You know, the other interesting thing about this, and I want to get in more detail uh, after we talk to Jim Perry on these governor races, but one of the things that all those uh, that, that they will all embrace is the sovereignty of their state. Now, I don't know if the guy in Colorado would or not, but all those other Republican governors would embrace federalism. Mm-hmm. And they were the same guys that told Merrick Garland when he said, I'm going to send my people into the into your state to, to see if you're doing it right, they said, well, don't come here. We're not going to let you in the polling places. I mean, they, 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 they truly embrace federalism, and they're doing a good job of it. Um, you know, we we got to take a break, but at some point we got to talk about uh, Fetterman. I, I cannot believe he won. <laughs> By the way, Donald Trump is now blaming his wife for endorsing Mehmet Oz. He said, well, my wife really liked him. And I, I mean, if, that's, if that is the truth, then, Donald, what are you thinking? 
But, uh, you know, they had some great candidates that they could have run against Fetterman. They chose Oz. We can get into that later, but, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And, you know, I was I was trying to root for Oz as best I can. But, I mean, I said weeks ago, Mehmet Oz was not the most conservative one to run. I it, think it maybe he just didn't motivate the Republican conservatives. Well, um, I mean, but one thing that was a problem with Oz was he wasn't from Pennsylvania. Yeah. He was that, from New Jersey. And the Democrats don't care about that, but the Republicans do. Yeah. <laughs> we got to take a break. Stay with us. Jim Perry joins us when we get back. turn out the way we had hoped. Congratulations to Governor Brian Kent. Four years to keep our state. I'm grateful tonight. Thank you so much. You can see this race to J.D. Vance. We won and we won big. One night in America. The people have spoken. And a new day begins here. Whether you're Republican, Democrat, or Independent. Keep it here. On Talk 96.3 and 103.7 with Tom and Benny on News and Views. Welcome back in. So there was no red wave nationally, but there certainly was a, uh, I'd call it a red wave across the state of North Carolina. And uh, it was exciting. You know, we've said for a while now, and we've kept stressing for a while now that perhaps the most important races for North Carolinians was that North Carolina Supreme Court, the two races there, and there was victory in uh, uh, both those races. We had uh, Richard Dietz be- beating uh, Lucy Enman 53% to 47%, six percentage margin. Uh, Trey Allen won 52% over 48 over Sam Irvin the fourth, a four percentage margin. That has to make uh, the, the state legislature very happy, and it's going to make their life a whole lot simpler to talk about all the results, including the uh, North Carolina Supreme Court, we have Senator Jim Perry, who is the Republican Majority Whip up in Raleigh. Uh, Jim, welcome back to News and Views. Good to have you with us. Give us your reaction to hey. yesterday. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, I am so pleased with the Supreme Court uh, races because, as as you know, and a lot of people who follow politics, Super majorities in the House and the Senate uh, wouldn't matter. It, 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 you know, the laws we pass, the laws on the books today. If you have a Supreme Court who chooses to see whatever they wish to see in our state constitution, then the, the laws we pass just—they simply do not matter. So we we knew going into this that we we would like to have a supermajority, but we had to have those courts, right? And uh, we, we started working on that a, a long time ago. I, I actually think if you, you know, some people are disappointed because they, they wanted a, a super red tsunami to crash over everything. But if you look more deeply at some of our rural areas, it actually occurred from people who were, were fed up with some of those decisions. Um, my county of, of Lenore, you know, we, we have more Democrats than Republicans. But yet, those Supreme Court races, and, and typically, um, Representative Humphrey, uh, who serves over here, and I, we, we win by about six to seven points, and it's a you know it's majority Democrats in the area, so it's it's more conservative folks. But the judges won by seventeen points wow. in Lenore County, and mm-hmm. and five statewide. I mean, that is, I, I think, a huge message about the type of decisions that we've seen and the judicial activism that we've, we've seen. And some would say I'm inclined to think that way, and that's fine. 
but the numbers don't lie. And I'm, I'm so pleased with those. I'm, I'm pleased with the appellate court races. Um, other than a, a couple of anomalies, you, you see, you know, five to seven point range on those. It, when you get down to districts, it's so much harder to do that, especially when the, the, the court has decided, you know, to draw districts or to force you to draw them certain ways. Uh, but our statewide races and, and uh, all of our, our statewide um, contests, I'm, I'm really happy about. Well, let me ask you, when it comes to the courts and some of the decisions that have been made by the North Carolina Supreme Court and basically overruling and, and taking the job that belongs to the legislature and saying, no, thank you very much, we'll, we'll redraw the maps or we'll draw, make sure they're drawn to our satisfaction – uh, how is the the new court going to affect the decisions that the legislature makes going forward in in terms of redrawing the maps? And will the maps in 2024 look different from the maps that we voted with uh, just yesterday? So uh, I want to be very clear that I have not spoken with any um, Supreme Court justice or, or um, justice elect about these issues, but just knowing judicial philosophy and the, the idea of um, um, originalism and textualism and folks who, who don't believe that we are supposed to come up with an answer and then seek how to justify it, I have to believe that they think that the responsibility to draw those maps lies with us because that's what all of the documents say. Right. You know, they are responsibilities. So it'd be difficult for me to see them upholding or believing if a challenge were to come to them. Now, some people don't understand the courts can't just come to work. The justices don't go to work on Monday morning and say, hey, this week I think we'll review this. You know, a challenge has to be in front of them. Uh, so something has to work its way through the system. And it, it is frustrating and it is slow. But when we have uh, justices who are more restrained in their <clears throat> view of judicial interpretation, I, I think we end up with a more predictable outcome, which is which is all we want. You know, it's scary when someone has the latitude to decide something a lot of different ways. Everyone cheers when it goes in, in you know, their best interest, but right. it can always be used against you, and I think that's a little short-sighted. Well, I think it was Keith Kidwell was we had on one day, and I think he was saying that the state legislature, you all can redraw maps as, as often as you want to, can't you? For Congress. Oh, just Congress. for Congress. Okay. Our, okay. Yeah. Our state constitution says we can only do it once every 10 years. Now, there is an argument to be made that we didn't draw these maps that we have today because the courts uh, uh, interfered or intervened or whatever you want to say, and they dictated how we did it. So the, the process has been violated. Uh, I think that's an argument that some reasonable minds can make. It is very clear that we can redraw congressional maps, um, you know, every two years. And I I don't think that anyone in North Carolina is under any delusions that the maps that that were just used in this election are going to last a a great deal of time. I, I think the thought was they were always considered to be temporary maps. So I would anticipate, and, you know, we haven't caucused this, so I'm not speaking for the caucus, but I would anticipate we would reconsider those congressional maps immediately, and there would be some challenges to these these state maps. I, I hear discussion on that topic from a lot of different areas. 
Hey, Jim, this is Benny. Um, last, hey, election, Benny. last election cycle, 2020, uh, you, of course, had an opponent um, that the Democrats spent a boatload of money, if, if I remember correctly, over $2 million trying to defeat you, and you beat them. This yeah. time... This time you had the benefit of not uh, running unopposed, and I, I joking, jokingly with you last night said, uh, uh, congratulations, I knew you could do it. But, but honestly, um, how satisfying it is. I, I have been to many events. I've seen you uh, all over the state working uh, your tail off to, to get Supreme Court justices elected and other candidates elected. How satisfying it is to see, I mean, really, we had a red wave in North Carolina, without a doubt. How yeah. satisfying is it to yeah. see all the hard work come to fruition, but also to be able to look at the Democrats and say, okay, you claim we're doing all this gerrymandering, yet North Carolina statewide races, I think, were seven for seven, if if that if I yeah. believe that's correct. Yeah, I, I think it's extremely satisfying. Um, you know, the, guys, I've learned a lot about this stuff over the last handful of years, and the truth is Democrats have a, a geographic issue. Forget gerrymandering. I mean, they all live in the same place, and our state constitution requires that we draw maps a certain way. They can't argue over the statewide races. And when we take the courts because of their behavior, people are tired of it, right? The the average citizen is not stupid, and you expose people to something enough and they see what's going on, they reject it. They say, hey, that's, you know, I don't care what you think about it. That's just not the right way to win. And I think that's what you just saw. It's been very satisfying. Um, you know, I, I had a decision to make because I have a new district. I've got a couple of new counties. And some would say, hey, you know, you better spend the election down in those counties, even if you don't have a race. But in this instance, if we didn't win those Supreme Court seats, my seat wouldn't matter. Right. The, the races wouldn't matter. So some of us who were unopposed made a choice to travel the state, raise money so that we could have sources of donations going to the court races to make sure that we won those Supreme Court seats and that we could bolster our competitive districts. Because, guys, it, it doesn't matter how many bills I file that make my people cheer or, or, or you know make Republicans so happy. If I'm in the minority, I don't make policy. And if we don't control that court, if we don't have justices on there who only read what's on the paper, they don't make things up, it doesn't matter. So some of us made some sacrifices, and we said, you know what, we'll fight it out in that district, and and we'll get to know people, and we'll keep raising money. But the biggest thing we can do right now is put money in those swing districts because you don't make policy in the minority. we got to win those, but we got to win those Supreme Court seats. So we made sacrifices, and there was a number of us who, who, you know, traveled, spent a lot of time asking for money. No, no one likes to do that. That stuff gets old. All right. But it was necessary, and you know, it's the choice we made, and it feels like the right decision. So we'll uh, to, we're happy today about those uh, Supreme Court races and the supermajority of the North Carolina Senate. Our guys did a fantastic job on planning and execution, and our candidates, specifically Bobby Hannig and Michael Lee. Bobby being in that northeast corner and Michael Lee being down in Wilmington, North Carolina, those guys worked their butts off. Their families were impacted by the the negative ads and TV and things that went on, and they stood in the gap for all of us and took the arrows, and I'm I'm proud to serve with them. Well, it's going to be fun to have Buck Newton back with you. 
you know, Buck's a, Buck's a good guy. We, we spent a lot of time together. Uh, a lot of people were calling that a competitive race. That was not going to be a competitive race. Wayne County has way too many Republican polls. Um, Toby Fitch, Judge Fitch, is, you know, he's been around a long time. But the, uh, the, the votes in Greene County were going to go Buck's way. The, the votes in Wayne County were going to go Buck's way. And we look forward to welcoming him back. Now, is Wilson County in that district as well, Senate district? Well, he's from uh, Wilson, Wayne isn't he? Wilson yeah. and, and Green. Wayne Wilson yeah. Green. Wayne yeah. Wilson. Okay, that's right. He lives in yeah. Wilson. That's yeah. right. We, yeah. You know, I, w- I was thinking, and, I, and again, I'm, I'm, I don't have the insight that you have, but uh, I, I was thinking it was going to be easier to get a supermajority over in the House than it was in the Senate. Were you surprised that the Senate got the uh, supermajority? No, I was not surprised about the Senate. Remember, the House ended up uh, cutting a deal with the minority leader, uh, Robert Reeves, and they got some uh, minority uh, party votes for their map. Okay. So there were some tweaks early on to what, or late in the game, to what they had proposed. Um, and so I, I felt like they, they might have a, a tougher time in some districts. I think they got surprised in a couple of races uh, going into it. I, I, I think that 73, even 74, real possibility, uh, but they had some hiccups. I do want to back up to Buck Newton. Um, you know, Buck ended up winning Wilson County. And uh, by about five points, and that was, that was heavy lift, right? I mean, it's getting mm-hmm. harder and harder. Green County actually went for him by about thirteen hundred votes. It's getting redder every year. They vote mm-hmm. all over the map. Buck won about sixty percent over there. But what what really gets him healthy is Buck won sixty point seven percent in Wayne County. That wow. was plus seven thousand votes. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that, that was just too much for uh, for Wilson to be able to touch. Wow. So yeah, and, and, yeah, and to that, happy yeah, to that point, Jim, someone that's from that area, I mean, Greene County historically has been kind of tough on Republicans, and it's getting, to your point, it's getting redder. And Buck, I think, I went to a few things over there Buck did, and, I mean, he, he, he ran a good race in that area. Yeah, you used to be able to have yeah, the so county he, convention on a telephone. Book, <laughs> that, that's right. Right down the road from my house is the Greene County line, so I have a special affinity for those folks. But, yeah, it's been coming our way um, – over time, you know, the last few elections, it becomes more and uh, and more. I'm gonna say conservative. I'm not gonna say Republican right, because right. there are still conservative Democrats in Green County. Do you uh, see any Democrats uh, perhaps switching parties or at least voting with Republicans in the House? I mean, I know you're in the Senate, but you've got a good feel and you you talk to these guys all the time. Do you, is any yeah. conservatives in the Democrats in the House? So I want to be mindful of what I say here. So the House, you know, it, it's just math, right? They have more people, more members. The districts are smaller. So statistics would indicate that they have more opportunity to have Democrats in districts in eastern North Carolina where they're not going to be punished for voting for conservative ideals or just voting to take care of their area. Mark Bassnight said it, gosh, 30 years ago. He said in the future it's not going to be Republican and Democrat. It's going to be urban and rural. And mm-hmm. these, these rural areas, these rural Democrats, they do not – they're not – their picture is not in the playbook that the national Democrats take around. That's why they spent $2 million bucks against me in the last race because they, they look at party affiliations and they think, oh, good, we can beat this Republican down here. 
When you get east of 95, if you were born and raised here, I don't care what your party affiliation is. Chances are your family's pretty conservative on a lot of right. issues. Right. I'm not saying everything. I'm not saying they're Republicans. I'm I'm just saying they're you know fairly conservative. And that that's something those folks just don't know how to read. Yeah. Hey, before we let you go, uh, one last question. How, how is the new Supreme Court going to affect the Leandro case, or is that water under the bridge? So that, that case is, uh, you know, it was remanded back down to the district court level for the, the judge to decide what the dollar amount was. Um, is it water under the bridge? You know, I, I can't say. I don't know how they will respond i can tell you that you know there can always be additional challenges and challenges additional challenges would be in the future and they would be before a 5-2 conservative court um i hope we don't see a lot of runaway decisions from this lame duck court here in the next couple of months because to me that would indicate they're playing politics and just challenging these conservative jurists to to decide to abandon uh, star a decesis on, on many issues. But, you know, it, hopefully some of them still love the law and have an appreciation for it and will not put them in that position. Uh, but, but we will see. I, I think, I, I believe, I, I know all of these Supreme Court justices, and I believe them when they look at me in the eye and they tell me that they they love the law and they don't want politics in the law. And when you don't want politics in the law, you can't predetermine an outcome. That's not how it works. Are you Your talking about the Republican justices or the Democrat justices? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm counting on the Republicans in the future, but I'm, I'm hoping maybe there's one who, who is ashamed at how this process has gone and on the Democrat side. And uh, I'm hoping he will not go along with the others, even though he just got defeated. Well, but we'll see. Well. I do want to give a quick shout-out again, Bobby Hannick in that northeast corner. The guy has been a warrior. That was a D5 district. Bobby won it by five points. Guys, that's a ten-point swing. He worked hmm. his butt off. Well, and early uh, early last uh, night, it looked like he was going to lose. I mean, the early percentages yeah. came in, and uh, you know, I, I thought Bobby's lost, but, uh, boy, he turned yeah. it around. Yeah. Yeah, well, conservatives, especially out in the east, they they vote late. Right, vote on election um, day. Yep. But yeah, and and Nathan Babcock, Dylan Watts, two names you'll never know. The guys that that run our caucus elections, they really had great plans. Uh, we fed it as much money as we could. You know, it, like it or not, it takes money to win elections. Yep. And those, those guys had a great plan, and we had a lot of people traveling to help fund the effort. And then our folks, especially our folks in Eastern North Carolina, you outperform. God bless you all. I appreciate you coming out because we could not have done it without rural area. Senator Jim Perry. Jim, congratulations on your race and congratulations on the success that you managed to uh, gen up by going back and forth across the state and helping out especially those uh, two Supreme Court justices that have uh, just won their elections. Uh, for North Carolina, it was an exciting day. Absolutely. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Stay Thanks with us. Thanks for having me, guys. You bet. Take care. Barry and, Benny and I will be right back.
balance of power still to be decided. Too close to call. We will be in the majority. They'd be able to block President Biden's agenda. Stay plugged in to the power of information. Leading up to 2024. Just don't know what's going to happen. The information you want. The news. And need. The simple facts. And in between, the power of your voice. Taking our country back. The lame duck of all lame ducks. Now back to news and views with Tom Lamprecht and Benny Hardy on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Quick look at your weather forecast. Tomorrow the rain does come in. By tomorrow night it'll be pretty constant. A 70% chance of rain tomorrow night. Tomorrow's high is going to be 74. Friday more thunderstorms and as the uh, tropical storm comes up the coast it'll be uh, well it'll feel like a, a tropical storm day. I have 78 but lots of rain which we probably need. Thunderstorms will continue into the night. Uh, Possibly we'll have some rain Saturday morning, but then the sun will come out later in the day. All in all, man, not too bad. Uh, (laughs) Thank you, Jim Perry, for joining us. Jim is a fascinating guy, and um, my hunch is he uh, his his career could continue to grow and expand as he wants it to because he has really done a good job and, you know, it's, it's those kind of things you, you don't realize are going on when he's traveling all over the state and encouraging people to uh, get behind the Supreme Court uh, justices that the Republicans are running and to raise money for those justices. But uh, I know he is a, a, a gentleman, not as obnoxious as I would be, but uh, <laughs> I, Sam Irvin d- d- dug his own grave with yeah. some of the decisions he made. And, uh, you know, all the money that was spent on his race to try to get him reelected, we were talking during the break, the money was irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It was his decisions that were so off the wall and so unconstitutional, frankly, you know, in in terms of uh, in terms of the Leandro case, who's in charge of the of the purse strings in terms of uh, drawing the the maps for the state districts and the congressional districts. Uh, the Constitution is very clear on that. And you make these decisions that are, are going against the documents before us. So on, on one hand, I understand that Jim is being very kind and talking about the rule of law and how there's a respect for the rule of law. But I didn't, I haven't seen it much in decisions recently made by uh, Sam Irvin. Yeah. And, and Jim, and Jim modestly expanded on me kind of thanking him for running around the state, but he, he did this, this last election cycle. Uh, I, I mean, I was at many events. He was there, but he, uh, locally, but he was all over the state because I talked to him from time to time and he would just be all over the state. And he, he, he kept pushing the importance of this, uh, you know, Supreme Court, because as he said, I don't, you know, they've obviously ignored what passes by the General Assembly. And so that was the most important thing. And kudos to those guys for working so hard. And fascinating comments about, and he's, he's correct. I hadn't thought of it that way. But, you know, there, there's, there's some Democrats that, you know, I, I, now they might get forced into a corner by the governor coming out and saying, well, I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to get the money you will need for your reelection if you don't vote with me. But again, so many of these decisions, especially you get into the more rural areas, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, my constituents, I, I know they're not for this issue. Uh, you know, well, the example, maybe the most blatant example that's going to come up, I would think, uh, in this next term is reining in the governor's uh, emergency powers. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would think it would be pretty. Well, 
again, I have no empirical evidence to say this, but I would think that you're going to find a Democrat or two that would come alongside and say, yeah, Governor, you went too far last time with this COVID stuff. Yeah, and there's many, as Jim's point, there's many Democrats, particularly in eastern North Carolina, that, uh, you know, they're in, they may be in the Democrat Party, but on a lot of issues, probably more than 50% of the issues, they're pretty conservative yeah, thinkers. Maybe more so than I am in and, some and of these they gotta, issues. And they've got to face their constituents because, you know, they see them every day. It's not like someone in Washington that can get far removed from their constituents. The folks in the General Assembly, uh, they, can't, they can't run away and hide because they live there and they're there. So. We're talking about before Jim joined us, uh, you know, what's going on. And one of the, I think, one of the silver linings of what happened yesterday, um, which I think we ought to look at with optimism, and that is the number of conservative governors who won re-election and won big. You know, it's, it's, I know it doesn't qualify as a red wave, but, you know, it might have bigger and uh, a better impact in the long run than a, than a red wave would have. I mean, a red wave is just that. It's a wave. It comes and goes. The pendulum swings back and forth. We have a big wave this time, four, five years, six, eight years, from 10 years from now. The Democrats have a big wave. But th- these governors that won re-election, I, again, I th- perhaps, and, and this is what I'm optimistic about, is perhaps we're seeing federalism come back into fashion. Uh, let me give you a, a definition. Federalism, a mode of political organization that unites separate states or other Uh, polities within an overarching political system in a way that allows each to maintain its own integrity. In other words, while we are united as these United States under our United States Constitution, each state has its own constitution, enjoys its own sovereignty, its own independence, its own autonomy. And I think we're seeing that more and more with these states standing up to the federal government, standing up to Merrick Garland. A, a red wave is momentary and transitory, but that's a, name, a word that the Biden administration likes to use when it comes to taxes, <laughs> it comes to inflation. But a return to federalism could be a positive paradigm shift that would it would really be positive if we could return to it. And the, the guy leading the pack is Ron DeSantis. Yep. And I think this is – Ron DeSantis is um, – now, in all honesty, I have no insight as to whether or not he has got his eye on the president uh, presidency of the United States. But if he, if he did, I'd be <laughs> tickle pink. Well, I, you know, when, Ron DeSantis, think about it. He won in uh, 2018. Yep. Yeah, 2018. By 33,000 votes. 33,000 votes to a Democrat. And, and Florida historically has been a swing state. I mean, yep. at best, you could call it a purple state, at best, because yep. it was always yep. the key key presidential uh, race state. He won it by 20 points this time. And he, he won it by 33,000 votes last time, and I think it was close to 2 million this time. Yeah. <laughs> it was unbelievable. So, um, he, obviously, he hadn't announced if he has any intentions for 2024. But if you're a member of the Republican Party and you don't think that's supposed to be your guy after yeah, yesterday, yeah, yeah. then I, I don't know what you're smoking. <laughs> and and listen, you've you've got to you've got to have Florida. I yeah. mean, you, Florida, and and he's got that in his back pocket. But here's here's the other interesting thing. Not only does he embrace federalism, but think about this: he was not, and, and some of these other some of these other Republican governors that did win big because and they're conservative, but some of them wouldn't take up the fight against the culture wars. Mm. And DeSantis had no problem with that, and he took on one of the biggest entities in the state of Florida, Disney, mm-hmm. and he got them to back down. 
Well, you know, you're confident when you're principled. When yes. You, you're confident yes. when you know yes. when you know where your soul is, and I think he knows where his soul is when it comes to his Bingo. principles. And when you're not, when you have to stick your finger up in the air to see where the political Bingo. winds are blowing, <laughs> you're not worth the well darn. Well said. And and Ron DeSantis, you know, I'm telling you, this guy has. Uh, I mean, he's young, got a nice family, and he's running the biggest state in Florida after. Every freaking liberal on the mainstream media, he's killing people in Florida. Florida yep. don't have it right. Yep. He did everything right, pushed all the buttons during COVID, and people are moving there in droves because of it. Well, that's another positive thing, that that he, he not only takes on the culture wars, he not only embraces federalism, but he knows how to play offense. He knows how to respond to these people when they make these accusations. And he, he doesn't cower. He immediately, and he doesn't do it in an obnoxious way, but he does it with confidence. As you said, he knows what he believes, and he, he lives out what he believes. And he, he can immediately respond to, to, to these accusations in such a way that you see them, just like Disney did, you see them backing down. And, you know, during a period of crisis, whether it's a hurricane, COVID, or whatever, when you see him, you know, he he's prepared and confident on what his people are doing. I mean, he he's obviously is a is a great leader got some great lieutenants and uh you know when he's questioned by the media i mean he, he's immediately responding we're doing this 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 and that and then we're doing this 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 and that i mean he's prepared i mean hey we got to take one more break stay with us we'll be right back all right our thanks to uh, senator jim perry for joining us this afternoon congratulations to uh, north carolina you came through like a champ and uh, congratulations to our new supreme court and a supermajority, buck newton Congratulations to you. We look forward to having you back on the air. We'll do it again tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Play a little political trivia. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.